Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only Sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered His people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at, our, at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of the all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness, and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and fault-finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But, dear friends, remember what the, apostle, what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers and will follow who, will, who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To those, 
to others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, great. It's time to listen to God's Word. If you're wondering, last week we did Philemon, now we're doing Jude. Uh, It's the summertime and people are kind of coming and going, which is why we're doing all the kind of one-chapter books of the Bible, so that you don't kind of miss out on too much if you're not here for a week. However, uh, we had one spare week and Jude is the longest, and so we're doing two weeks on Jude, just so you know. But why don't we pray as we get into God's Word? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us. Thank you that we are not on our own, but you are with us and you address us. Please, would you address each one of us, speak to our hearts, and make us hear what we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Well, I don't know what you thought of the reading. I thought a good question to start with is, what is a loving church? The church would be known for its love, Right? And uh, John thirteen thirty five. by this all men shall know that you're my disciples, Jesus said, because you love one another. Everyone likes love, but the church isn't always thought of as loving. Now, it varies from country to country. Uh, I'm from the UK, and there the church is, certainly the evangelical church, is, is not always thought of as loving. So there's a friend of mine from the, there, uh, he's a Christian, and he struggles with same-sex attraction. Maybe that, that's something you identify with. And, uh, yeah, his church says, uh, okay, of course they want to help him and support him, but the Bible is very clear that marriage is a man and a woman. And so it means a life of, of celibacy, right? Uh, no marriage prospects, which is quite a tough prospect, right? Now, is that loving? There's plenty of churches in the UK that say, uh, no, it's not loving. Uh, they call themselves inclusive and say, look, we welcome anyone. And uh, they would tell my friends, just, you know, embrace who you are. And they say that is love. Right? 1 Corinthians 13, love does not insist on its own way. Uh, love, you know, uh, Peter, uh, it covers a multitude of sins. But demanding that people resist their desires, you know, that, that's not loving. That's intolerant. That's judgmental. Uh, here in Hong Kong, it's less, but it's also coming, isn't it? Especially if you're younger. And uh, even worse, those churches then say, watch out for those churches that tell you it's okay. Uh, how can they judge fellow Christians? That's really not loving. Maybe you're here, uh, you're a visitor. That's maybe your view of church, right? We're unloving and judgmental. Uh, how can you deny someone such things? How can you claim to be loving? Some of us feel that strongly we're embarrassed to speak out uh, about these things. Because, yeah, of course, love sounds like yeah, accepting others as they are. And we struggle with what the Bible says. 
uh, maybe you are struggling with something and you, you, you don't want to tell anyone at church because, yeah, you think you'll just, uh, they will judge you and, and put you out and, yeah, you resent that. Well, it will be very good to uh, study Jude today, which will give us a, a good perspective on that. It's one of these, uh, yeah, little books. Now, who is it by? Uh, verse 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now, James was the brother of Jesus, so Jesus, uh, Jude was also the brother of Jesus. I guess he didn't like to say that, uh, but uh, this is his only writing, and Jesus had four brothers. He is one of them. Who did he write to? Well, lots of Christians, eh, to those who have been called. Not a particular church, but lots of churches. But what is the issue? Why is he writing? It's very helpful if people just say that, and Jude does. And verse 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. Uh, I wanted to write something nice and uplifting, but uh, I, had to, <laughs> I had to give you this urgent warning uh, that uh, the gospel is in danger and you need to do something. It's a bit how I feel. Uh, I wanted to preach something nice and encouraging, but this is the passage for today. But uh, they should do something. Why? Verse 4. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. And some, some people have crept in. Later they're called shepherds, so they seem to be people in leadership. And they're, well, they're teaching a different gospel. And uh, the rest of the letter is basically two parts. One is why these guys are dangerous, and two, what we should do. How can we protect ourselves? How do we interact with people? And so that's how we're going to split it. So today it's the, the bulk of the letter. It's a somber warning. But warnings are good, I think. They keep you safe. And so, yeah, the big thing for today, yeah, beware for false teachers. That is what this letter is about and actually quite a few of these short ones. But we, before we dive in, just two things. One is, this is a really dense letter. Uh, he keeps it short, but there's so much in there. If you heard verses 11 to 13, it's just three verses, but he compares them with Cain, Balaam, Korah, blemishes, shepherds, clouds, trees, waves, and stars. Nine things in just a few verses. And so I can't explain everything. Maybe you, oh, how about this? If you have any questions, uh, just ask me. I, I, yeah, I think the main message is clear, but uh, I can't go for all the details. And also there's some really weird stuff, right? I don't know what you thought of verse 9. Uh, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. I mean, what is that? <laughs> it's not even in the Bible, if you know your Bible. Uh, Jude is quoting from some Jewish books that people were reading at the time that were quite popular. Uh, just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean he can't say it. Um, like, this, imagine someone quoting Tim Keller. Tim Keller is not the Bible. It's just a helpful example. Maybe something from contemporary culture. Uh, he's not saying this is scripture. I think the false teachers use these books. That's why he says, actually, you know, those books say something else. 
Also, you may wonder, generally, well, what, is, what is this about Michael and the devil? I think it's about God's authority. That's where this will be going. Uh, it's not uh, slandering the devil. It's about Moses. Moses had sinned. Could he go to heaven? And the, the devil said no. Would Michael say yes? No, no, Michael says no, that's God's job. God is in authority. And so, well, the Lord rebukes you. But it's not that important. Ask me later if you have questions. Now, what were these false teachers saying? Well, they say that how we live does not matter. They say that how we live does not matter. That is how verse 4 continues. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Uh, they, uh, they pervert the grace, the God's undeserved love, God's love that endures forever, that is independent of how good or bad our day has been, God's, God's grace. And they change it to a license for immorality. Uh, it's a reason that you can sin. And, uh, the second part, they deny Jesus as sovereign and Lord, as master. You know, Jesus, I guess he was a loving savior who doesn't want you to go to hell and he just loves you. But he's not your Lord. He's not your master. He's got nothing to say about how you should live. And so that, that's a different gospel, right? A gospel without repentance, without demands. And that's not a true one. Although it sounds incredibly true, right? We, we, we love God's grace. We sing about it. It's wonderful that God loves you just as you are. God's love is, is unconditional. No one is good enough for him. No one is bad enough for him. That's a, a wonderful truth. Yeah? Christ Jesus came in the world for sinners. Maybe you're here as a visitor. You, you, that, that's surprising. You always think church is about being good enough. No, no, God loves you no matter how bad you are. But God doesn't want you to stay that way. Yeah? He, yeah, he sent Jesus to die for your wrongdoing. Uh, but he doesn't want you to stay like that. Sin is wrong. And walking contrary to his will, it's not good for us. It's destructive. He wants us to change. And once you belong to God, once you're his child, fully forgiven, yeah, of course you're going to live differently now. Uh, you lived your whole life without him. Now you're going to live with him at the center of your life. And that's wonderful. And uh, We used to be slaves to sin, and now we are... Yeah, uh, we belong to God. It's wonderful. And wanting that is not opposed to unconditional love. I mean, I'm a parent. I've got three lovely children. And I love them. I love them if they're lovely. I also love them if they complain and fight and argue and disobey. I still love them. That will never change. Doesn't mean that I'm happy for them to stay that way. I want them to change. That's right. God wants us to change. But the false teachers, they denied that. They said it doesn't matter how you live. And all the examples that Jude gives, yeah, people who, yeah, who rejected God's authority, right? The, the Israelites coming out of Egypt. If you've read the book of Numbers, you know how they lived. They, uh, they didn't believe. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, such a famous story. Even if you're here as a visitor, you'll probably know it. Yeah, they, uh, they didn't live God's way. And verse 8, in the very same way, 
on the strength of their dreams. It's not from the Bible, it's from their dreams. These ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. They, they, yeah, they reject God's authority, while even archangels, they respect it. But I, we don't know exactly, but that's probably what they were saying. Eh? God loves you as you are. You don't need to give up your sin. It's fine. Go ahead. Just ignore all those commands in the Bible. And they probably sincerely believed that. There's no indication that they were evil. They were just, yeah, badly, badly mistaken. That's what's going on. Now, you may wonder, who would fall for that? I, I hope that's what you think. Who would believe that? Well, certainly outside the church, we hear this message all the time, though. Huh? I mean, it's Satan's lie, right? You can sin, you won't die. Outside the church, in the world, you're constantly told that it's okay. You can live whatever you like. Whatever feels good is right. Uh, some other religions. In my own journey from atheism to Christianity, uh, there's this book I read, a New Age book, Conversations with God. I love this book. Why? Well, it said there's a God and he made the world, but don't worry about how you live. Just see if it makes you happy. It's just what I wanted. It's great. Now, in the church, I guess we don't have it as blatant as that. But it sounds a lot like this, whoops, this inclusive church, right? Your lifestyle doesn't matter. Just come as you are. Jesus welcomed prostitutes and tax collectors. And, you know, that's, that's fine. You're all welcome. And, and that's true. And the church should be like that. And I hope we are like that. If you're here as a prostitute, you're very welcome. And if you're a drunkard and greedy and a fraud and selfish and bad-tempered, none of us are good enough for God. All of us need to change. I myself, so much wrong in my life. All of us have things wrong with us. Yes, Jesus hung out with prostitutes, but he also wanted to save them from that. He didn't think it's a good thing. So God wants you. Yeah, he loves you, but he also wants you to change and help you with that. But these churches say, no, it doesn't matter. You can stay as you are. And that's very similar. Or maybe just uh, some forms of the prosperity gospel, right? Who say, look, God wants you to be rich. Get as rich as possible. That's great. That's God's will for you. I, I thought greed was a sin, right? So that's encourages some sins and say, you know, that's, that sin is okay. Or maybe just unconscious. You know, some churches there keep very quiet about sin. There's a famous course introducing Christianity, and it mentions almost nothing about sin or judgment. And the writer said, well, that puts people off. Yeah, it may put people off, but it also is very deceptive, right? Because it tells people that sin doesn't matter. Now, in many ways, we can hear these messages. We can hear that sin doesn't matter. The only thing is, it does. And why? It's very clear from the book, God will judge persistent sin. Jude is very sobering, but almost every verse speaks of judgment, right? Verse 4, certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago. Uh, Verses 5 to 7, those three examples... Uh, Though you already know all this, verse 5, I want to remind you 
that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And then the angels who were kept in darkness, and Sodom and Gomorrah who were destroyed by fire. It's all judgment. And he doesn't have to look far for examples. It's not a surprise, verse 5, though you already know all this. You should know this. God will judge those who reject him, who willfully disobey him, who persistently sin. It's so basic. And yeah, verse 10, it will destroy them. Verse 11, they've been destroyed. Uh, Verse 13, blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Uh, Verse 14 and 15, the Lord is coming to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed. Judgment, 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 judgment. No getting away from it. The whole letter, judgment. It's not nice. It's sobering, but it's true. God will judge persistent sin. Now, I want to make sure we hear that correctly. Uh, Because as Christians, we all still struggle with sin. Still, every day, we we, we don't live the life we should. That's why we just confessed our sin earlier in the service. I mean, should we be afraid of this? Now, Christians try not to sin. Christians, they, they want to live God's way, but they just fail. And, and then there's wonderful forgiveness. Yeah, there, God, Jesus has died for all that. God's love is unchanging. That's right. But if the Bible says something is sin, but we just go ahead and keep doing it without wanting to change, the Bible warns you that won't end well. Then something is wrong with you. If we have the Holy Spirit, we want to be holy. If you have no desire to be holy and you just want to sin, something is wrong with you. So just to say, if if that is you, uh, you need to change. If there is something that you know the Bible says is wrong, but you think it's okay, you're doing it, please stop. Please seek help if you can't stop. I don't know, pornography, whatever. There are things that, uh, yeah, if we just keep going with them, bring judgment. And, and we want to help. But others maybe, especially if you're a visitor, you, you've already stopped listening. This is so judgmental, so intolerant. This God is a monster. I hope you think some judgment is good, though, right? So if you read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, at least it's about attempted rape. I hope you think that that's a good thing, that that gets punished. If here in Hong Kong someone gets raped and the police go and arrest that person and put them in prison, would you say that the police is being intolerant and they should leave people alone? Or is that a good thing? I think you say that's a good thing. It's good for God to punish wrongdoing. The only thing is, yeah, who sets the standards? we, We like it when God's judges murderers and adulterers and dictators and, uh, yeah, fraudsters. But when it comes to other things like sexuality, selfishness, idolatry, maybe we don't like it. The only thing is that, that, yeah, he is God. He made the world. He made us. He knows what is the best way to live. And we are just people. We don't. So we, we need to listen to him. And that's why, yeah, everyone, Christian or not, we're made by God. We should live his way. And if you haven't been doing that, yeah, 
You face this. You need forgiveness. And, and God wants to forgive you. He sent his son to die to make that possible. Do come to him. Do talk to me. But I hope you can see the problem, right? The false teachers say, it doesn't matter how you live, but God will judge persistent sin. And so they are a danger to us, a danger to you. After all, they don't keep it to themselves. That's the problem. They spread it. Verse 11, Cain and Balaam and Korah, they're people who took others with them. Korah, yeah, his rebellion was not just him. He got the Levites with him, and he got all the Israelites with him. And not just he died, but loads of people, because it spread from him. These guys are dangerous as they spread their ideas. And all the scary imagery in 12 and 13, yeah, it's about danger. These people are blemishes at your love feast. Now, blemishes, other translations talk about hidden reefs a reef. And you have a nice sea, but actually there's a reef underneath the surface. And you go there with your boat, and you crash, and you shipwreck. It's danger. Uh, shepherds who feed themselves. Shepherds are good and nice, but if they eat you up, they're dangerous. Uh, the last one, wandering stars. The stars are great because you can follow them and find your way, except when they wander, when it's a planet then you'll get lost and we'll never see you again. It's danger. That's the big problem. If people follow them and think sin is fine, they also get judged. And no wonder Judas alarmed. These people cause shipwrecks. These people send you to hell. It's that simple. And I hope that helps answer that earlier question, right? What is a loving church? Uh, It sounds so unloving to warn people. But actually, yeah, churches that say, it's okay. God doesn't mind how you live. You can keep doing that. They shipwreck people. Again, it's not intentional. Most churches that say, you know, all that is fine, they've stopped believing in the Bible. And from their perspective, you know, what they're saying is loving, yeah. If there's no judgment, it doesn't matter how you live, absolutely. But if judgment is real, then sin is serious, and the loving thing is to warn people. If something can send someone to hell, you love them by warning them. Don't do that. And if people will send someone to hell, stay away from them. That is loving. I don't know. In my, uh, I used to live in Leeds in the UK, and we often had kids playing football on the street, a few kids from the local area. It was a bit of a hilly street, and the ball would just roll and roll, even onto other streets with priority, with cars zooming by. Now, I didn't want my kids to play with them. They were not mean kids, but they were rather careless to play football on a street with cars going there. And so I said, I, I, I didn't want my kids to play with them. Now, is that me being unloving, me being restrictive? No, I just don't want my kids to get run over. I want to protect them. And so don't, don't go and play with those kids. All right? I hope you see that's normal. And Jude writes because he loves people. Uh, Jesus warned people because he loves people. Uh, and we preach difficult books from the Bible because we love people. So be warned. Right? That's the big application. Watch out. 
Watch out for people who change the gospel. Especially today, yeah, those who ignore God's commands. Those who tell you it's okay to sin. You shouldn't play with sin. It's like playing with fire. Don't think, you know, oh, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's not too bad. You know, be cautious, right? Sin is deadly. Now, this is very hard. Because if you're like me, deep inside you want to sin, right? You still have a sinful nature. And if I don't like fighting sin, I'd love to sin. And so when someone tells me it's okay, that's very appealing. No wonder this is popular. But we shouldn't listen to our hearts then. We should listen to our minds. And we know the Bible says something is wrong, but someone tells you it's fine, you run away. And if I start saying that certain sins are okay, fire me, right? You shouldn't hear that. And such people, you know, they're easy to recognize. What will their life look like if they think sin is okay? Well, they'll be ungodly. Uh, Verse 16, for example, these people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. Uh, That's what they're like. Now, there's much more to say about what we should do. How can we protect ourselves? How can we interact with such people? That's all next week. If you're not here next week, you know, listen online. Uh, Do come back. But as we close, as we finish, I just wanted to... Can we, is there some encouragement here? Because this sounded all very dangerous, but also very lonely. Like it's just all up to us, right? Where is, is God in all this? I mean, certainly he's there at the end when he comes to judge. He's there in the beginning as he warned us. Yeah, verse 17. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. Jesus warned about these things. But where is God now? Well, Jude also wants to say, look, trust God will keep his people. As Jesus begins and ends, look, God keeps his people. And back in verse 1, to those he have been called who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. And verse 24 is the same, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. God keeps his people. We're not on our own. God guards them. He is not on the sidelines watching. He's with us and at work in us. And now that doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything. Jew doesn't think, well, God keeps his people, so I don't have to warn anyone. Now, God works through warnings. And maybe God is speaking to you today, warning you. But in all of that, we are not alone. I hope you feel warned. You should, but I hope you don't feel overwhelmed. Because if you're there with God, even though there's danger, even though the gospel is being denied, God keeps his people. He's promised a bride to his son. He'll make sure their wedding will happen. So watch out, but trust God. He's in control. And that's where we will finish. I'm going to leave half a minute for you to just reflect. Then I'll pray And then we're going to sing. Why don't we reflect for half a minute?
Thank you for warning us not to be deceived, uh, to stay away from danger. Father, pray we would follow that, and in that pray that we would trust you. Thank you that you keep your people, that you love them, that you want them to, to stay with you, and therefore you are at work. Father, as we uh, reflect, as we reflect on our lives, on your words, as we seek to take appropriate action, help us know that we're doing that with you, because you will keep your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so, yeah, let's uh, finish by singing about that great confidence we can have, that no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck us from his hands in Christ alone. <laughs>